Welcome to the Heat vs. the World podcast. And now, stand up and make some noise for your host, Joe Jacob. What's up, Heat Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast. Like always, I'm your host, Joel Jacob, and you can follow me on Twitter at JoelKJacob underscore. Now let's meet our correspondents for today. First, we got George. What's up, what's up? Then we got Anthony. What's good, y'all? And last but not least, Kevin. What's good, everybody? All right. So without further delay, let's dive into today's discussion by talking about the first half of the season for the Miami Heat. The Heat are currently the best team in the Eastern Conference, holding a record of 38 and 21. Considering the amount of injuries that the Heat have had to deal with, like this is beyond impressive. This includes Bam being out with his thumb injury, Jimmy having to miss 19 games with injuries of his own, and Kyle Lowry, who's missed 13 games as well, partly due to personal reasons. You then add the fact that Markeith Morris has missed 49 games and counting while we continue to wait for Victor Oladipo to make his season debut soon. With that all being said, I want to hear everyone's takeaways when looking at this first half of the season. Start us off, George. Yeah, well, there's not much more to say. We're the number one team in the East. We've overcome a lot of adversity, a lot of um, injuries. We've had a lot of question marks come into the season. How would Tyler, uh, you know, go coming off the bench. Would he even come off the bench? Um, how, how was Kyle Lowry going to adjust to this system? Is Jimmy going to be, you know, refreshed and ready to go after the appalling offseason, you know, uh, the postseason last year? Is is Bam going to be come back and actually be aggressive? We've got, we've got answers to all those questions. And uh, there have been, in most part, a lot of positive answers. But, you know, it, we, we've, we've still got a long way to go. But if we're looking just at the first half of the season, Sitting number one in the East, tied one, but with the record, the the breaker with uh, the Bulls, it's just it's phenomenal. We we really couldn't expect much better. There's you know so much talent in this Eastern Conference. It's not even funny. I think spots one through through eight have a real chance of coming out of the East. So it's going to be a real grind out to the last part of the season. But no, it can't be anything but happy. Right, and how about you, Anthony? Well, I mean, George, I mean, kind of got it perfect there. If you would have asked any Heat fan prior to the year, would they take the current situation we're in after the All-Star break? 10 out of 10 Heat fans would have said yes. Obviously, they're in first place. Going into the season, the one thing I would have really liked to see the most was aggressive Bam. We've seen that a lot. The numbers don't necessarily show it. He's only averaging one more shot attempt per game than he was last year. Free throws are about the same, and obviously three-pointers are about the same. That is kind of disappointing, too. But still, if you just actually look at the games and use the eye test, you can tell Bam's been a lot more aggressive of late, especially coming back after his injury. And I want to talk about the two most surprising things that we've seen the first half of the season. One is Caleb Martin. I don't think you could have found a single person that would have thought we'd get this kind of production, let alone any production from Caleb Martin, averaging, over, averaging almost 10 points a game, over 50% from the field and 38% from three. That's just insane. Obviously, he kind of came out of nowhere, 
but even more surprising to me has been the play of Gabe Vincent. I mean, I'll be the first person to tell you, I was not a huge fan of Gabe coming into last year. He had a really rough year, especially shooting the ball. But, I mean, he's up to 37% from three. That's seven percentage points higher than last year. Uh, and we all know how great a defender he is. So the fact that we're going to have him as a huge piece come playoff time and Caleb Martin as a huge piece come playoff time, those are two surprises I don't think many Heat fans expected, and I'm super excited about it. Right. And how about you, Kevin? Yeah, man, I think Heat fans should be elated because of the points that both George and Anthony just stated. Like, you've managed to keep a good portion of your core from the team that went to the finals in 2020. And then you not only have you added new pieces to that, but you've been able to develop young players like Anthony just said. Caleb Martin, shout out to him, man. I'm glad his deal is fully guaranteed and it's no longer a two-way deal because that was one of the best, you know, contracts going into this season. And he's outperformed that contract by a mile. So I'm glad he's getting his guaranteed money. But it's just been beautiful. You know what I'm saying? I, I love that we added a guy like Kyle Lowry, who a lot of people probably doubted. You know, a lot of people going into the season were talking about his age. You know, he was out of shape and things like that, which was all BS to me. But clearly, you know, he's been phenomenal. He's exactly what we needed from a point guard perspective because we were lacking real point guard play in 2020 and we still somehow made it to the finals. But I just think it's been beautiful, the development of guys like, you know, like Anthony just said, Gabe Vincent, especially Max Struess is one of my favorite players on this team. You know, you bring in other pieces like Dwayne Dedman bring, coming back, probably arguably our best player in the playoff series last year versus Milwaukee where we got swept. But I love it. I love the position that we're in. Um, I can make the case, and I think we are the favorites out the East, in my humble opinion. I'm biased, of course, but, you know, I'm going to just say that. And honestly, like, you got to give a lot of credit to Spo and his coaching staff. Um, they've done a wonderful job with this team, managing injuries and just being able to plug guys in and out. And, man, he fans honestly really shouldn't have anything to complain about because this team has been phenomenal in this first half of the season. I can't wait to watch the rest of the 23 games of this season. Right. And before I continue, does anyone have something they want to add? No, I just want to quickly just point out how, how lucky we are to have a coach like, like Spo. In all seriousness, it's been just a joy to watch him coach this team. And anyone that thinks otherwise, you know, is just not a Heat fan. So you got to give him all the props in the world. We've had some really, really like scared moments. A lot of times where we just didn't think that we'd actually get out, get out of the situations we, when we had, um, you know, the unfortunate injuries to Bam and Jimmy, I just didn't think that it was possible for um, this team to still be productive and, and successful. But the lineups he was chucking out were incredible. The timing, the the, the plays, inbound plays, everything he's done, um, even for, you know, to get Duncan going again when he was going through his rough streak, it's just been phenomenal. So we're going to bow our heads and, and, you know, be humble and be happy that we've got him as a coach because there's a lot of teams out there that would die for a coach like him. Right. And Anthony, do you want to add on to this? I mean, I love the Eric Spolster love. I mean, there, I mean, there was heat fans within the last few years that really disrespected him. And to me, it, it never made any sense. He had the superstars with the big three. He won championships. He had, you know, the kind of the teams of mediocrity and he was still, you know, almost fighting for playoff pushes. Whatever you give Spolstra, he succeeded in getting the most out of those players. And that's the sign of one of the top 15 coaches of all time, which is what he was named. Right. And then, Kevin, how about you? How do you feel about Spo? I mean, I think he's the best coach in the league. I think with everything that's happened to our roster this year from injuries and guys missing, you know, games for other reasons and stuff like that, like, I think he's probably like one of maybe three to four coaches that could manage 
you know, those type of things, those type of circumstances. And so Spo deserves a lot of credit, man. That's why, you know, every time I come on here, I always talk about him a little bit because I truly don't think Heat fans understand how elite of a coach that he is. And, you know, a lot of people thought that he wasn't a top 15 coach or whatever, this and that. Like, by the time he's all said and done, Eric Spolster is going to be one of the greatest coaches to ever have been coaching in the NBA. And that's just facts. And so Heat fans enjoy him while we have him. I mean, he's been doing it for if what feels like forever. And it just feels like he's only getting better and better. He's a mastermind. Um, even with, you know, him, you know, losing some assistant coaches here and there, he's still able to – keep the team competitive and playing at a high level. And that's a hard thing to do because when you're having different minds coming to what you're trying to create and impl imp implement into, onto the court, it's hard. You know what I'm saying? So I give Spo a lot of credit, man. I think he's the best coach in the NBA. And again, he fans need to cherish and appreciate him a lot more than they do because what he's doing, not it's only a few coaches that can do what he's doing, period. I agree. You know what? Like, we, we're so blessed to have a guy like Eric Spolstra who knows what he's doing. And to have him with this type of team, especially, you know, when we've dealt with the injuries that we've dealt with, like, it's just perfect because he knows what to do with this team. He knows how, you know, we got to win games if we're missing certain players. Like, you couldn't ask for anyone better to coach this team. And that's why I feel like, like what you guys said, a lot of Heat fans take him for granted. And honestly, he's been a big part to why this Heat team has been able to accomplish so much, you know, even when we're dealing with these type of injuries, you know, when guys like Bam, Jimmy, or Kyle are out. And, you know, we've talked so much already about this first half of the season. And I want to focus on the second half of the season as well, because let's see, the Heat have 20 through three games left. And with 15 of those games taking place at home, you know, it might seem nice, but it should also be noted that the competition is stacked for the Heat as they'll be playing teams like the Bulls, Bucks, Nets, 76ers, Suns, and the Cavaliers in a 12-day span from February 28th to March 11th. So now, although the schedule might seem tough for the Heat, I think we've seen enough games this season to know that this Heat team is built for the toughest of challenges. As we get ready for the second half of the season, what are some predictions that you guys have in mind for the Heat as they get ready to close this season out? Uh, give us your take, Anthony. 23-0. and 0. That's my prediction, man. You mentioned it. We play Chicago within the next couple of weeks. That team hasn't beat us yet. The Bucks, we beat them without Jimmy. Now we got Jimmy. The Nets, y'all scared of Ben Simmons? He don't scare me. Philly, as long as we got Gabe Vincent, he could single-handedly beat them, man. Uh, but no, in all seriousness, I looked it up. The Heat actually are 16th in strength of schedule, uh, so they're kind of right in the middle of the pack. Something interesting about that, though, is the number two, the uh, one and two uh, strength of schedule is Milwaukee and Chicago. So obviously that's two teams that we're fighting with and we play them within the next couple of weeks, but yeah, man, it's a real test we got coming up, man. If, if they could somehow actually sweep the, uh, the next uh, few games, like I was joking about, that'll really put some fear in these other teams, man. Cause the heat obviously keep getting disrespected as always in the national media, which I mean, I don't really care about. Heat nation knows how good this team is and that's all that really matters. But you constantly see teams like the nets ranked above the heat, even some people putting the Lakers above the heat, just, we're talking teams that are in the plane right now, you know, compared to the Heat. That's the first team in the uh, in the East right now. So uh, it's a big test coming up. It'll kind of really show, and it'll give us a lot of opportunity to kind of get right and make sure we're uh, 
you know, at our prime come playoff time, we don't want to, uh, you know, kind of get at our best too early and then kind of falter out come playoffs like we did last year. So I'm I'm predicting a big thing second half of the year. And most importantly, just, you know, get there healthy, make sure the guys can get rested. I'd be willing to, you know, fall down to the fourth seed if it means that Jimmy and Kyle get to rest a couple of times throughout the end of the year. But it's all about preparing and being at our best come playoff time. And it's it's exciting. Got a big, a lot of big tests coming up. Right. And you, Kevin? Yeah, man, I think out of these 23 final games, I think we win about 14 of them. Um, I'm still, I don't know. I don't know if we keep the number one seed. Honestly, I don't really care because I think this team is built for whatever circumstance. Like they can go on the road and win a game seven at home. They can win a game seven. So that doesn't really mean anything to me like that. But I just think they got to just keep building championship habits, keep stacking W's and just, you know, try and get as much um, chemistry with as a full roster as you possibly can. You know what I'm saying? It's, I know we're going to talk about some guys that are supposed to be coming back to the roster and just, you know, finally getting a chance to play with this roster. But um, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a challenge, but I, I firmly believe that dudes are going to lock in all the way. I think we're going to see a lot more of the big four playing together more than they have in the first half of the regular season. And you're going to see this team really start to shape up. And I think Spoel's going to actually start to play um, some playoff lineups. And I think we're going to see him not necessarily show his full hand, but he's going to show us some things that we're going to see ultimately in the playoffs. And so this team um, is special, man. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm genuinely looking forward to these final 23 games. And I think they're going to make the most of it. Um, I don't think we're going to have too many things go wrong for us. Hopefully, you know, God willing, hopefully we don't have no injuries or anything like that happen. I don't even know why I just put that out there, but I'm hoping that doesn't happen. But um, I expect this team to just keep getting better, man. I honestly just, just think that's what it comes down to. And that's all I expect from them. Ray, and what do you think, George? First of all, I just want to say, Kev, why in the world would you ever say that? I hate you. I don't want to talk to you ever again. <laughs> Putting out that out there, bro. Come on now. Now, it's going to – it's. It's just crazy to me that we've already played such an obscene amount of games. Like, if 59 games have already passed. I, I, I don't know where this season's gone, but I know it's aged me about five years, and I'm very upset about that. But there's... um No, there, look, with 23 games left, we're going to see, as everything is expected, in my opinion, we're going to see a lot of Spo experimenting still. There's 23 games left for him to figure out exactly... Who's, who's coming in, who's going to be out, because we've got so many guys that can be in the rotation in, in a really, like, special rotation. Because after the starting unit comes out, we've got so much depth to work with, whether we, we want to run larger lineups with Denman around Denman and, and seven. If we want to go smaller, we're going to play around, you know, playing Taylor Martin at the four, which they've done three or four times this season. They want to, you know... If Victor, sorry, if Victor Oladipo is going to come back and he's going to be healthy, you're going to have to find some time for him, you know, some minutes for him because there's no way you can't play him. If he's coming back and he's going to be anywhere close to the player we've expected him to be, um, and, you know, everyone can say that we're expecting too high, too much of him, it's a joke. It's, it's, it's the fact that we only have the sample size of his Indiana days and, and you know, when he actually started to get good but then started his health started to, to decline. When he's coming back, if he's going to be healthy, then we're going to find some time for him. You know, that's all we've got to go off and hopefully he can be productive for us. Hero comes back, um, you know, after a good good long break, after the All-Star break, he gets some time back. So we're going to figure out, you know, how we're going to match up his minutes with players like Little Deeper and stuff like that. So 
this is Spo's time now to solidify every lineup, what he's going to want to do, who he's going to want to, you know, bench. And, and yeah, we're going to, it's going to be an unpredictable sort of thing because we don't know what could happen um, at any point in time of this last bit of the season because we do have a pretty hard stretch up until the last, let's say, 11 or 12 games. So if I'm going to put the number on that, I reckon we're in about 15, 16 games. Um, ideal, ideally, we'll look to, you know, get the higher numbers, but without Dion Waiters, we ain't going, no, 23-0. Yeah, you know what? Honestly, you know, like you guys said, it's going to be very interesting because, you know, George, like you brought up, we're going to probably see some interesting um, decisions by Spo regarding how the rotation is going to work. And as you, Kevin, you said that we might see some experimenting with the lineups and stuff, like just basically see what type of playoff um, lineup Spo would try out. And it's just all going to be very interesting. And I can't wait, especially to see Victor come back. And that's actually interesting that you guys brought him up because Next up, I want to talk about Victor Oladipo and Markeith Morris, two names that I mentioned earlier in the pod, because after basically being out like forever, both Victor and Markeith are expected to travel with the team to New York for their upcoming game against the Knicks. Now, just to be clear, they're most likely not going to play, but this is still big to think about. So assuming that Markeith and Victor come back soon, like how much do you guys think they will move the needle for this Heat team as we will hopefully have a squad that's fully healthy? Uh, tell us, Kevin. Yeah, man. Um, I'm ecstatic for Victor Oladipo to come back for one reason and one reason only, and that's because, first of all, I'm not expecting him to be back at his all-star caliber level that he used to be in Indiana. Um, I think that's that's it's not out of the realm of possibility, but I just don't expect him to, but – the thing that he brings to this team that this team desperately needs is another person that can put consistent pressure on the rim, that could get to the rim, create contact, and even get to the free throw line. I think he's perfect for that. So even if he averages, say, six points, and he'll probably average more than that, that's all I need from him. And if you watched last year when he was still hurt and he was playing with the Rockets in the few games that he did play with us last year, his defense was still at an elite level. And so I think he's going to fit in perfectly on that end and it's going to be no drop off say if you know Spo decides to sub out Kyle and put Oladipo in and just that rim pressure is so important and Tyler Hero is going to love playing next to Victor Oladipo because he's going to take so much pressure off of him because we all know for our second unit it's mostly T Hero that takes over and gets the shots right and so when you have a dude like Oladipo who gets to the rim when you go to the rim, you collapse the defense and you get easier opportunities for your shooters like a Tyler Hero, like a Max Struess and guys like that, like Caleb Martin so um, and Duncan Robinson, those guys. So, like, that's what I'm more, most excited for. And then for Markeith, I just I'm, I just want Markeith back, first and foremost, because he's been out for however, you know, for however many games. But secondly, I want him back because I want P.J. Tucker to get some rest because I think P.J. Tucker is probably going to be – one of our most important pieces come playoff time. I think he needs to get a little bit of rest. We've been doing a lot of different things with him. He's been our primary facilitator in some games. He's been <laughs> our main scorer in some games. He's been our best defender in some games. Like He just does a little bit of everything. And I think it's going to be some games where you can just have Spo rest P.J. Tucker and just implement and put Markeith into the game and give P.J. that much-deserved rest that he needs going into the playoffs. So I think both those guys are going to bring hella value to this team. 
And I'm glad that a lot of people are sleeping on Victor Oladipo, but I do think he's going to have a point to prove. And he should he should fit in seamlessly with this team. So I think he's going to be the perfect dude to be on that second unit um, next to Tyler Hero. And look, I'll say this too, just because I got to say this real quickly. I don't really think it's a guarantee that he comes back and plays with the way that Gabe Vince has been playing. Like, he's going to have to genuinely earn his minutes in practice. And so I think that's going to be an interesting dynamic also that Heat fans should, should watch out for in the course of the second half of the season because Gabe Vincent has earned every single minute that he's been playing this season. So we'll see how that pans out. But I do think Oladipo is the perfect dude to come off that bench and help out a guy like Tyler Hero. So I'm, I'm happy for him and Marquise to join this team again. Right. And then what do you think, George? Yeah, look, there was um, confirmed before that he will not be playing in um, against the Knicks. It's sad to see, but, you know, it's, it is what it is at the end of the day. But look, if we're going to look at the bigger picture, Victor is the player that we needed last year to come in. Like, we, we knew we had, we had massive holes in our team, and he was a player that could, you know, very well fix them. But, you know, how you see his health got in the way, but Look, if we're looking at the future as a whole, he's so crucial to our, what we're trying to do because back before he got injured, he was shooting efficiently from three, um, efficiently enough for, for a guy that just wasn't known for hitting threes. Um, and how unfair for a guy to be traded, you know, uh, from Indiana to Houston straight to Miami afterwards. And he that's the sample size people are going off. He's 12 points a game when he came to us for the, through the four games. You got to fit to an entire new system, new coach, new new environment, new teammates, new everything. You know, new court. It's so hard for someone to get adjusted in four games, and for him to get injured the way he did was very upsetting and very, you know, it, it came as a shock to everyone. But at his at his best, he's a starter quality player, and that's that's without a doubt. He's a starting quality. He plays defense at such an elite level, which is what this team's known for. You know, it's our tenacity, our defense. People, you know, make fun of us. Our offense is not going to carry us through. No, it's we're not going to have to score with that many points if we've got a, a lineup of of Lowry, Oladipo, uh, Jimmy, PJ, and and Bam. The, the, that that lineup alone is is easily the best defensive lineup when healthy. You know, and and, and I, I don't care what anyone has to say about that. It, it's just a fact. But if he comes back and he's confident on that, you know. With his injury, if his if his knee is going to hold up, then there's going to be a shorter amount of time where he has to adjust because he's going to get the minutes. There's no doubt about that. That Spray will trust him with 17, 20 minutes of his first game just to really test out that knee because if he's showing that it's tender and he can't drive and he can't move as well as he used to, then you know we're going to have to give bigger roles to players like Gabe and. Um, and, and Tyler, like Tyler's already getting a massive role, but I, I don't want to be the one to say it. You know, if he doesn't look the way he should, then Spo just won't play him. It's and that's the sad truth. So he's got a massive responsibility on his shoulders and massive pressure for this to work. He's had such a long time, you know, to, to get his knee right that if it did, if it hasn't gotten right, then this might be the end of the road for him, which. Brings me to a second point I'll, I'll bring on quickly. There's a part of me that wants him to play amazingly well and, and you know, and for us to win the ring and everyone's happy. But if he does play really well, his contract's up at the end of the year. What the what in the world are we going to do with players coming off contracts that, that need to be re-signed? We've got so many of these players that need to be re-signed. 
And I don't know where we're going to find the money for all of this, but look, I hope he plays the best to, to, to his abilities. I hope that he does give us that headache at the end of the offseason where we're going to figure out how we're going to pay this man. So look, all the strength to him. Good luck. I hope he plays, um, you know, on, on, on Saturday. I really hope he does, but you know, it's, it's all a test of time. Like, geez, like George, like you bringing up the off season, like let's slow down, man. Let's get ready for the, um, let's I'm get scared, ready Joel. for the I'm next scared. <laughs> But, um, yeah, Anthony, how about you though? I mean, these guys did, did a great job of covering all the points about those two guys. Uh, so I'll just bring up some thoughts that I've been thinking. I'm curious if y'all think in a, a similar way. Uh, one, everybody was getting excited today when they found out that Vic and Morris were flying. I didn't really understand why, because Vic has been traveling. I guess Morris hasn't been. So that's kind of the news there. So I certainly predict Vic to be back. I remember a while ago, we heard February. It doesn't exactly look like that's going to happen now, unless he plays Saturday, of course, which I hope he does. I'm, I'm actually going to that game, so that'll be pretty cool. Morris, though, that's a bit of a weird situation. Part of me deep down thinks that he's not going to come back this year. Just because we've seen all the highlights of him shooting around pregame. I've seen even when I went to the games, he looks great. You know, there doesn't seem to be any sign of rust. So for him to not be playing, the medical concern that they have obviously must be really, really serious. Because it's not, you know, a rust issue at this point or anything. It, it really seems like a heavy liability issue, similar to the, with the Chris Boss situation a few years ago, where Boss wanted to play and they couldn't let him. So I don't really know what can change between now and when Morris is finally able to play as far as, you know, liability wise or medical wise, because just seeing him shoot around, I mean, he looks great. Uh, I probably should have asked him. I folded on that. I, I know Joel saw the vlog. I don't know if anyone else saw the vlog, but I was at the heat game early a couple of weeks ago and I got to dap up Marquise Morris and I wanted to ask him like how he's feeling, uh, but I was too nervous. I just said, what's up? And then I, I kind of cleared it. Uh, but I mean, again, he looked good. He looked like he was in good spirits. It really just seems like a, almost a liability thing at this point. So I don't really know when that's going to change. Uh, another thing I want to say is, is Kevin brought up a good point, actually, that I want to expound on a little bit. It's important to keep expectations low because a lot of Heat fans, they're going crazy thinking, yeah, he's going to average, you know, he used to average 20 in his prime. Maybe he'll average like 15 now. I even think 15 is unrealistic. I know the number that Kevin put out there was like even maybe six. Uh, which I can see because as both these guys brought up too, we don't even know what his playing time is going to look like. Ideally, I guess I'd like to see, you know, him and Gabe get some minutes, but I don't even know if that's possible. Uh, obviously fit wise is great with Depot. Cause like Kevin said as well, he fits perfect next to Tyler, not only cause it, you know, takes away a load offensively, but we know Vic can help defensively if he's paired next to, you know, Struess or, or Tyler coming off the bench there. So I just say, keep expectations low. You don't want to get them, uh, don't want to get your hopes too uh, high too much. With PJ, obviously, they brought up a good point, too. You need him because you, you'd want to get – uh, or with Morris, you'd want to get PJ some rest. So you do hope Morris can come back for that. And also on the uh, the contract situation that, uh, that George brought up, I've never seen a guy love the Miami Heat more than Victor Oladipo. Like, has there ever been a, a guy on another team that you knew wanted to play for a different organization so bad? Like we all knew when he was with Indiana and we played them in the bubble, it was the most obvious thing how much he wanted to be here. Because uh, I remember I even told my dad, my dad's like, yeah, like, I don't think they're going to have, you know, money to sign him or re-sign him in the offseason. Some bad team is going to pay him, you know, five to 10 million. 
And I said, maybe, but this dude wants to be here. He might take a minimum deal. And sure enough, he did. Of course, that was coming off injury. If he comes back and balls out, he probably won't take a minimum deal again. But I could certainly see him taking a pay cut because even since he's been here, he even during the games, he doesn't sit down. He's always standing up cheering. He really loves this place for whatever reason. Uh, so I could see him trying to do whatever it takes to be here long term. And I'm excited to have them come back and hopefully they can play really well and contribute. Right. I agree. You know, you know, that's the thing with Victor specifically. I feel like a lot of us get too excited, you know, as we wait for his return. And I feel like at least for now, just, you know, keep it on the DL, like what you guys said, just take it easy, you know, let him, you know, break the rust, first of all. And let's just take it easy on a dude. You know, it hasn't been easy for him, you know, this past year, basically dealing with rehabbing and everything. So obviously we all got to try to, as much as we want to have high hopes for him, let's just relax a bit. And then what you said, Kevin, you know, with Marquise potentially coming back, you know, assuming that he does, I mean, I don't know, because a part of me feels like what you said, Anthony, where it's kind of like a Chris Bosch situation where maybe it's a lot more serious than we think it is. And it'll take more time off. But at the same time, you know, when you hear the reports saying, Maybe he will come back soon. You know, you obviously want to be optimistic about it. But assuming that he does return, I think like what you said, Kevin, it would be huge to consider the fact that he could play backup for PJ. And, you know, like you said, PJ has done so much for this Heat team. Like, I think we can do a whole episode just talking about how great PJ has been this year and how much Miami has used him compared to how these other teams have used him in the past. So if you could just have Markeith slide in there and just take some of those minutes from PJ so he could just relax, especially when you consider how old PJ is, like that would be a huge win for Miami right there. But I don't want to talk about this too much as I now want to focus on the league in general, specifically the Eastern Conference, because, you know, we saw what happened in the trade deadline. Some of these teams in the East did get better. And honestly, this Eastern Conference is probably the most competitive it's been in like a while. So looking at all the teams in the East, like, you know, basically in a power ranking style, how would you guys rank the top five teams in the East right now? So you can kick us off, George. All right. I, I was prepared for this, but now I'm unprepared for this because I don't know who I want to put anymore. <laughs> I will right, we'll start at five. At five, I'm going to put the Chicago Bulls. And I'll just, I won't talk too much into what I'm just going to say because, you know, they don't have the most playoff experience as a team. Donovan, Billy Donovan is their coach. Has been to the playoffs deep once, never made it to the finals. So I think that's going to work against them. At four, I'm going to put the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, actually, no, I won't put Cleveland. I'm going to put the Philadelphia 76ers um, because I really don't think that they understand what they're getting into with Harden. Harden himself is an extremely high ball usage rate, you know, has a big ball usage rating. He's going to play well against um, Joel. I agree with that. But the rest of their team and their depth is really going to work against them. Um, putting Brooklyn at uh, Brooklyn at three, a lot of moving pieces. But I think if they all come together, they'll be extremely difficult to beat. Uh, two will be Milwaukee. I think that you know they're they're being slept on big time. They've been injured. They've been they've had a lot of stuff going on. Um, I respect them as an organization um, as worthy adversaries to us, but. 
at the one, I'm going to put the Heat because number one, this is a Heat show. I'm a Heat fan. I'm biased, but it's the the facts that we've been the best team in the East all year. So, it, and we're looking at players that have made it deep into the 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 um the playoffs. Several of them. We've got PJ who won it last year. We've got a coach who's done it, who's won it multiple times. So, yeah, that's my top five ranking. Hey, and what about you, Anthony? Yeah, well, I, I kind of took, a, instead of like a top five power ranking, I did the top five power ranking of teams that scare me the most, at least for a matchup-wise come playoff time. Uh, at five, I got Philly. At four, I got Brooklyn. I know that seems a lot of low to some people. And, and honestly, before the James Harden trade, I would have put uh, Brooklyn at five and Philly at four, just because any team that James Harden is on really does not scare me. I honestly don't think he's that good, particularly come playoff time. We've seen him time after time come up really short. And he's really just a diva stat chaser. He really doesn't scare me come playoff time. But obviously, I still got to put Philly in the top five. Joel Embiid is probably my number one pick for MVP right now. And overall, that team's just, you know, they have a lot of great pieces. But because of the James Harden factor, I had to put them at five. I put Brooklyn at four solely because of Kevin Durant. I think he's the second best player in the league outside of LeBron still. Uh, and not to mention, they also have Patty Mills, Heat Killer, and Seth Curry, Heat Killer. So those guys do scare me. But outside of them, obviously they have Kyrie. You can't trust Kyrie to stay healthy. And I just, I don't think that the drama they have and the lack of time to develop a proper chemistry is going to, I think that's going to hurt them a lot come playoff time. So for that reason, I have them at number four. I know most other people have them at one or two. I just think that experience is going to be a big deal. Not to mention Ben Simmons sucks in the playoffs too. So I put them at four. Number three, I have the Toronto Raptors. We've seen them be extremely competitive with us this year. And yeah, you can make a good argument saying that's regular season. Come playoff time, it could be really different. A lot of those guys don't have experience. But, I mean, you do have Fred Van Fleet and Pascal Siakam who are on the finals team in 2019. So the top two guys do got some experience. And obviously we know that he struggled with length pause and they have a lot of length. So... That team probably put uh, scares me at number three. I put the Bucks at two. Respect to the champs. We know the Heat can lock down Giannis when they want to. Uh, and for that reason, I put the Cavs at number one. The Heat have really struggled with the Cavs a lot this year. They have that same length that scares me about the Raptors. Uh, and I guess the Bucks too, for that matter. Uh, the two games that he lost to the Cavs this year, I think Jimmy was out for both of them. So obviously it's not quite the same matchup we're going to see come playoff time. And they very, very, very highly lack experience. But I, I, they got a solid team, especially the matchup against the Heat. You got seven-foot Jared Allen, seven-foot Larry Markin, and if he's going to be healthy, now they just added Karius LeVert at the trade deadline, who's bona fide score, and Darius Gar Garland's obviously having a breakout year. So I think they're also super well-rounded and matchup-wise, they kill the Heat. So they're probably the team that I fear the most right now in the East. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to add on, you said um, Jimmy was out both games. You know, I, it was George who brought up in the chat, Jimmy and Bam were both actually out for both of those games. So that's crazy to think how shorthanded we were, you know, in those two matchups against Cleveland. And Kevin, how about you? Yeah, so I just did this based off who I think the top five teams would be in the East come playoff time. So. Um, I want to say shout out to Anthony first and foremost because I almost put Toronto in my top five just because I do like the Raptors a lot and I think their defense carries and it translates well into the playoffs. Only concern I have with them though is their depth. I don't I just don't trust the depth that much. But my five though, it's pretty much it's Georgia. I'm gonna be honest, the same list as Georgia. So at five, I got Chicago. Um, 
I'm not really a firm believer in Chicago come playoff time just because, you know, most people, when you think about the Bulls in the playoffs, a lot of people are going to say, you know, DeMar DeRozan has a history of flame out in the playoffs, which, you know, I guess that's kind of true, but that's not even my biggest concern. My biggest concern is, or my second biggest concern is Zach Levine has never played in a playoff game before. And so we can't just assume that he's going to come into his first playoff series and just take over. Like, could he? Yes, of course he could, but we can't just assume that. So it, it, it kind of goes both ways. But my second concern with them is that their center is Nikola Vucevic, and we all know he can't guard any of us talking right now. So that's why I'm really not worried about them at all. I expect Bam, if we play them, to just take over and dominate that matchup because he should dominate that matchup because of just who Bam is. So five, I got Chicago. Four, I got Philly. And I have concerns about Philly because – Obviously, they traded for James Harden, and I think that kind of got them better a little bit. But what people don't understand is that basketball is a team game. And you can say what you want about, you know, James Harden, Joel Embiid. I love Joel Embiid. I'll be honest. I think Joel Embiid is arguably the best center in the league. But they traded Seth Curry. And I don't think people understand what Seth Curry was for this team. He was a dynamic shooter. He was probably their best perimeter shooter. And he was probably their best, second best player in the playoffs last year. Um, before they got booted out. So that's why I'm not really high on them because you got to think they're going to have to play Matisse Thybul a lot. And if you watch Philly games, teams are sagging off Matisse Thybul and they're double teaming and B because Thybul is not an outside perimeter threat whatsoever. So that's why I'm not really concerned with Philly. And I think um, Tyrese Maxey's usage rate is going to go down because of James Harden. And at three, I got Brooklyn. Obviously, you have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. You know, you got peace around them like Patty Mills and other guys like that. You know, you have to take them into account. I know Anthony said, you know, Kyrie, of course, does have a long injury history, but we all just watched what Kyrie did to us a couple weeks ago when they came down to Miami. Yeah, we won, but Spo was literally throwing every type of defense possible at Kyrie, and he was still breaking them down. And he's been doing that for a very long time, and I don't think Kyrie gets enough credit for what he does. And on top of that, again, you have Kevin Durant next to that guy. So the Nets are always going to be a threat to Milwaukee. Honestly, I almost made the case to put Milwaukee at one, but I didn't just because that Brooke Lopez injury is a lot more serious than a lot of people think. And he's so important to that team. And I don't think he gets enough credit as he should as a defensive player, you know, being able to space the floor to give Giannis more freedom and space to work with. I think that's important and not having him. That's a big hit to them. And then on top of that, they also, to me, are going to have a little bit of championship fatigue. And then on top of that, you know, Drew and Chris Middleton both participated in the Olympics, you know, a summer ago. So, they got they got a lot of things going on. Of course, you know, they still have Giannis, but I think we match up well with them. And then, of course, the number one is our Miami Heat. And I just think we have all the piece to make a run. And I think not even just the star power. I think the biggest thing is that Tyler Hero is built for these moments. And it's a reason that Pat Riley has not decided to trade Tyler Hero because they firmly believe in him. And I think seeing that is going to only put even more confidence into Tyler Hero. We all know Tyler Hero does not need any more confidence at all. You know what I'm saying? He has too much confidence sometimes. So I think he's built for these moments. I don't think, you know, a lot of people try to call him a bubble boy and things like that. Like he wasn't a rookie, but it is what it is. He was a rookie. And so he's back and I think he's going to have a great playoff run. And then on top of that, I think we have better role players than pretty much every team in the league. I think the only team that might be able to compare with us is maybe the Warriors and the Suns. But outside of those two teams, of course, who are both in the West, I don't think anybody has the role players that we have. And of course, I think we also have the best coach in the NBA, and that's why I have us as the number one team in the East going into the playoffs in 2022.
Right. So now, you know, we talked so much, you know, basketball today that I feel like it's time that we now move into the final topic of the day. And that's none other than talking about this Heat Knicks game. So before we close it out, let's see. So basically, Miami is going to play the Knicks to start the second half of the season. Uh, Right now, the Knicks are, and I say this respectfully, a dumpster fire of a team that's currently 25 and 34, while being 12th place in the Eastern Conference. It also doesn't help that Julius Randle has been complete trash this season. I mean, Knicks fans were comparing Randle to Apex Chris Bosh when we don't even know if he's better than Apex Anthony Bennett at this point. All facts aside, what's y'all expectations for this upcoming game? And do you guys think the Heat get the win? Tell us, Anthony. First of all, don't disrespect Anthony Bennett by comparing Julius Randle to him, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Second of all, man, the Knicks scare me, man. They got a slam dunk champion, OB Toppin. Uh, Cam Reddish, he's been, you know, they traded for him. He's averaging a a very strong uh, five points per game. Uh, and most importantly, they got a uh, Evan Fournier. That's probably the only one I'm serious about because the Miami Heat cannot guard that man for some reason. He's killed us for what seems like 10 years now. Um, uh, he was killing us back when he still had hair. That dude is bald now. Uh, but obviously the Knicks suck. It should be an easy dub. Uh, Julius Randle, he's the perfect matchup for Bam. He can lock him down easily. If they lose, it'll be obviously very disappointing, but I mean, I'll take a I'll take a loss against the Knicks if we if it means we uh, we play the Spurs after them. But if we can win the next few against the real powerhouses in the East, but yeah, obviously the Knicks don't scare me too much. It'll be an easy dub, right? And you, George? Now, you know I don't like to make predictions about any games, but this is why I'll make an exception. We are going to absolutely. I want them to absolutely dominate the Knicks. Now, I've never been a fan of the Knicks. They're the most overhyped team they were coming into the season I've ever seen. And I was saying it for, for months. They make one quick playoff berth. They get knocked out. They get bounced quickly. And everyone's saying, oh, they're going to make the playoffs again. They make playoffs. You don't understand how bad I knew they were going to be. Because they're, they're, their roster is terrible. It's terrible. It's built wrong. Up to, <laughs> Their bench is better than their starting lineup. Now, I, I don't care... And even their bench is crap. I don't. I don't even. I don't even know what what they were thinking there. But it doesn't matter. We're the number one team. We're going to go handle business. Um, I would have loved to have seen Oladipo come out, but they are beyond the dumpster fire. They they can't even. They, 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 I can't even salvage them in any way. They they're trying to tank, which is hilarious. Now they they announced that Kemba would be sidelined, sidelined until the end of the season. If that's not the most obvious tanking method I've ever heard of in my entire life, and I don't care if anyone says Kemba's not good, Kemba's not good, he is still one of their better players. So they're just going to sideline him. They're going to throw the rest of the season and try and get another top pick. They're going to butcher that, and then they're going to be crap again for the next few years. So it's funny to see. We're going to watch Bam dominate Julius Randle. We're going to watch Jimmy absolutely take them to town. Jimmy's not even going to have a good game. That's what I'm, I'm going to say now. Jimmy's not going to have a good game. Because the only time Jimmy plays well is when the game is close and we need him to go get us a bucket. You know, and I'm not talking about a bucket in the last minute because he's been terrible at that. But Tyler Hero is going to go off. Gabe Vincent's going to come in and put up 25. I'm calling it now. He win by 45 points. 
Jeez. So you say you don't even want to do predictions. So the fact that you gave it, I think that should say a lot about how much Nick's hatred coming in right now. And uh, Kevin, how about you? Yeah, man. I mean, it's the Knicks. I mean, I don't take the Knicks seriously. I don't think any of us, clearly none of us take the Knicks seriously. Um, every time I think about that Bam and, and excuse me, not Bam and B, the Bam and Joyce Randall matchup, I just picture that image of um, Carl Anthony Towns trying to back down DeMarcus Cousins when, you know, he was in New Orleans. So that's why I, I really don't take him seriously at all. And, you know, every time Bam guards Julius Randle, he's literally just laughing because he knows it's he has no moves in his repertoire. And so it's easy to guard Randle. I think that he should win this game by like 14 plus points and it should really be a walk in the park. It's the Knicks. You know, Coach Tibbs is whatever. Their roster is terrible. And they're just forever and always going to be the New York Knickerbockers. And they're the laughing stock of the NBA for a reason. And so we should just walk in this game and get them out the paint early and easily. Right. I agree. You know, I also believe the Heat should be able to take care of business. You know, I believe it was Shay, one of our other female correspondents of Key vs. the World, who hopped in here. And she basically, she didn't give a whole explanation, but she said that she knew the Heat would win because the Knicks were trash. And Honestly, I agree with her right now. And I think that reason still sits with the reason why the Heat should win this upcoming game as well. So I'm going to keep it short and simple just like that. So looking at it, we talked so much in today's episode that before we close it out, I want to thank you all for tuning in. Uh, thank you, George, Anthony, and um, Kevin for all taking part in today's episode. And if you want to hear more Heat vs. the World content, go ahead and follow our Twitter and Instagram at HBTW Podcast while checking out our website at hbtwpodcast.wordpress.com. Last but not least, make sure to check out Culture Shock, the Heat versus the World's newest extension show, which is the first Miami Heat pod to feature an all-women cast as they'll be dropping a new episode very soon. And once again... Thank you all for tuning in to today's episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast. And we'll see you guys soon with another episode. We out. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time with a brand new episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast.